Michigan has reached the college football playoff for the second time in the CFP era, the second time in Jim Harbaugh's tenure at Michigan, and for the second time in a row, as Michigan's first playoff appearance was last year in the Orange Bowl, where they got mollywhopped 34-11 by the eventual national champion Georgia Bulldogs. This year, Michigan is same old number two seed, but they face a much, in my opinion, lighter number three seed than last year's Georgia was. Michigan will take on the TCU Horned Frogs in the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. While Georgia, at last year's number three, was eventually the best team in the country, and there was certainly an argument that 2021 Michigan was better than 2021 Alabama, it's just Alabama matched up with Georgia much better than Michigan did, I'm confident that this year's TCU is the fourth best team in the college football playoff. That's no disrespect to TCU. It's not saying they're not a good team. They are a great to near elite to elite team. It's why they're a part of the four-team playoff. But in my opinion, Ohio State, Michigan, and Georgia are all better than TCU, and they're better by a significant margin. That being said, Michigan needs to do some things in order to beat the TCU Horned Frogs. Texas Christian runs an air raid under head coach Sonny Dykes and offensive coordinator Garrett Riley that is one of the better offenses in the nation. They're explosive, they have NFL-wide receivers, and they're just good. And they also have an amazing running back in Keandre Miller, who has 1,342 rushing yards and 17 rushing touchdowns, one of the best running backs this nation has in the sport of college football. I have made a video previewing Michigan against TCU and some things that they can do to win the national title, but as this game is getting closer, there are only there's it's less than 14 days actually when Michigan will play TCU on New Year's Eve. I wanted to just get more into specifics and talk more specifically about this game rather than Michigan and Ohio State's path to the national title, winning it all, and rematching for the national title, which is what I talked about in my earliest college football playoff preview video. I'll also be doing specific game preview and prediction videos for the college football playoff matchups and New Year's Six Bowl matchups in the coming days. So if you haven't subscribed to the channel already, please do so now. Hit the notification bell so you can get notified when I release the college football playoff preview videos and the New Year's Six Bowl preview videos, and comment your thoughts down below and like this video. Michigan and TCU. These are two overall newcomers to the college football playoff. TCU punched their first appearance this season, and... The last time they had an opportunity to really be in the college football playoff was in 2014, the inaugural year, where Gary Patterson, who's now a special assistant to the head coach at Texas, was then the coach of a very impressive TCU team that finished 12-1, which right now is Texas Christian's record. 
and they were arguably snubbed from the college football playoff. They were ranked either third or fourth after the last regular season game. They dropped all the way down to sixth, mainly as punishment for the fact that the Big 12 at the time did not have a championship game, because you had to have 12 teams or more to have a conference championship game. That requirement by the NCAA, of course, was taken away after the 2016, I think it was, yeah, after the 2016 season, which coincidentally was when Bob Stoops retired from Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley took over. And I mentioned that just to say that Oklahoma dominated the Big 12 for its first few years of reinstating a championship game. TCU lost their championship game this year, but they were rightfully not penalized for playing in it. And they shouldn't have been, especially since they were undefeated entering the championship game. And because unlike USC, who had one loss and played in a, let's be honest, played a weaker schedule, they didn't play Oregon, they didn't play Washington, they played UCLA, and they played Utah, who's the best team in the Pac-12 twice, and they got lost, and they lost both times. They got destroyed the second time, and they lost in a two-point conversion the first time. In that first game, Utah made plenty of early mistakes, which gave USC a big lead, and they blew it. But to get back on track here, TCU, they've beaten a plethora of ranked opponents. They are 1-1 versus Kansas State on the year, Kansas State being the second-best team in the Big 12 by rankings, by power metrics, by, you know, statistics, by win-loss record, and Kansas State being the number one team by virtue of the fact that they won the Big 12 championship game and are Big 12 champions and are facing Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, which would be a pretty fun game to preview and to watch as none of Alabama's players, and I don't think any of Kansas State's, are opting out of that bowl game. So TCU, 12-1, taking on 13-0 Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl. It is a 4 p.m. game, and then Ohio State and Georgia will take each other on at 8 p.m. It will be a test when it comes to both of these offenses of Michigan's ground game versus TCU's air raid, and which offense will look more prolific. And when it comes to defense, Michigan has one of the best possibly the best defense in the country. TCU's defense is a very questionable defense for a playoff team. In fact, this year's TCU, you could very much argue, reminds me a lot of Lincoln Riley teams that went to the college football playoff, the 2017, 18, and 19 Oklahoma teams. Questionable to above average defense at best with great to elite offensive play. TCU has a Heisman-level quarterback in Max Duggan, who has mobility, who has a cannon for an arm, who has accuracy, good decision-making, grit, and determination, as shown by his 3,321 passing yards, which is 18th in the nation, 30 passing touchdowns, which is 12th, and 80.2 QBR, which is 13th in the nation. He also has a 165.5 passer rating and has only thrown four interceptions on the year in 13 games, which is tied for 11th in the country. 
He averages 9 yards per pass, he's been sacked 23 times, and he has a 64.9 completion percentage. And he has 404 rushing yards on the ground with 6 rushing touchdowns and a long of 67. That long was achieved against Oklahoma, which TCU destroyed and humiliated Oklahoma. That was one of the more entertaining games just to see on the ESPN scoreboard and check updates for was funny to watch. But Duggan presents a real challenge for any defense. Same with Keandre Miller. Same with Quinton Johnson, who has, or Quinton Johnston, sorry, who has 903 receiving yards, five receiving touchdowns, averages 17 yards per reception. You also got to watch out for Tay Barber, who has four receiving touchdowns and also averages around 17 yards per reception. Tay Barber's 5'10", 190 pounds. Quinton Johnston is 6'4", 214 pounds. Quinton Johnston is an NFL build receiver. And Tay Barber, he is a really good wide receiver too. So you've got to watch out for TCU's skill players. Their skill players are amongst some of the better and best in the nation, which is why TCU is in the college football playoff. It's because... Garrett Riley, who won the Broyles Award, Sonny Dykes, who runs an interesting and workable and efficient variant of the air raid offense, and TCU skill position players. It's not because their defense, which allows 25 points per game and 385 yards per game. Compare that to Michigan's defense, which only allows 277 yards per game, and they only allow 13.4 points per game. Michigan does play a different brand of football compared to TCU. And to top it all off, TCU scores 40.3 points per game. Michigan scores 40.1. These offenses overall have a similar output, at least in the statistic that obviously matters the most, which is points per game. TCU averages 473 yards per game, Michigan 453.5. The difference is TCU has 273 passing yards per game and 200 rushing yards per game. That's a lot on both sides of the offense, the rush and pass offense. Michigan averages 210 and a half yards passing, and they allow, and they not allow, they have 243 yards rushing. So Michigan, very much so, being more of a rushing offense, though they have much better capability in the passing game this year than they did last year in their first college football playoff quest. TCU, very proficient at the deep ball and aggressive play calling. Sometimes it gets the better of them, as seen by the fact they're around number 80 in red zone scoring and red zone offense, and the fact that Garrett Riley on that fourth and goal shotgun run cost him a 13-0 record, but I digress. Overall, it has worked very well for TCU, their offensive philosophy. And their defense, it's very aggressive, it's very, you know, it's boomer bust, but it's only allowed 25 points per game. It's a defense that, overall, you look at TCU's last few games and their schedule overall, they held Oklahoma to 24 points, They held Kansas to 31. They held Texas to three total offensive points, 10 points overall. They held Iowa State to 14. This defense 
can and will step up when the opportunity presents itself. TCU is a very opportunistic team, and the Wolverines need to play a good first half of football. Now, they don't need to bring out their best game in the first half. Michigan, after all, is a second-half team, but so is TCU. TCU's been known to have comeback after comeback, and they they make amazing second-half adjustments. They also, as Mike Valenti loves to say on his network and on his YouTube channel, um, TCU's just, they are a team that just happens to find their way into injuring opposing quarterbacks, whether it's Spencer Sanders, whether it's Adrian Martinez and then Will Howard in the regular season matchup with Kansas State. They injure, they, they, they just have a way with injuring the opposing quarterback, which has a devastating effect on opposing offenses. And of course, you got to remember, they limited Texas's and Steve Sarkeesian's offense to three offensive points. TCU's a second-half team. They know how to come back. They know how to win. Michigan can't play like it did against Indiana and Rutgers and Michigan State in the first half, or even Penn State in the first half. They cannot be sleepwalking for 30 minutes. This is a playoff game. TCU has had more preparation than any other team when facing Michigan. They're going to have a full month of preparation and practices dedicated to play against and to beat Michigan. The Wolverines need to play a good first half of football. They can't be sleepwalking, making mistakes, missing wide open throws. They can't be fumbling the football. They can't have holding penalties false starts. If Michigan wants to win, and if Michigan wants to have a statement win to make up for last year's blowout loss to Georgia, and if Michigan wants to cover the spread this year, they need to play a good first half of football. They need to be in, you know, in striking distance against TCU. So down by single digits, tied up by single digits, or winning by double digits is what Michigan needs to do and be at the end of that first half, and then knowing Michigan and how just how elite they are in the second half and the adjustments they make, Michigan's path to victory will be nearly paved just by that one point. It's like Ohio State. If they call if they have aggressive play calling and if their wide receivers get up on Georgia's secondary, that one key alone could provide Ohio State the victory. But there are some other things, too, that would certainly help Michigan's chances to reach and play for a national title. I think conservative play calling on defense would be this. Do not zero blitz all the time, because that will give TCU one-on-one opportunities. And their wide receivers, listen, R.J. Moten, Rod Moore, Mike Sanristil, Makari Page, Michigan's secondary is among one of the the best in the country. They're among one of the best secondaries in the country. Depending on how they perform in the playoffs in this game, they could be argued as the best secondary in the country. But you got to help them. And zero blitzing, leaving corners and safeties on an island against Max Duggan's arm and against Quinton Johnson and Tay Barber will not help that. It will not help your defense. Jesse Minter is a wizard 
on defense. He's He was an improvement over Mike McDonald last year, and Mike McDonald himself was pretty close to a wizard, and in my opinion, should have won the Broyles Award over Josh Gaddis. But he makes amazing second-half adjustments. I'm confident that he will dial up a great game plan against this amazing, you know, just absolutely amazing skill skill player set that TCU has. And I think that part of that will be conservative play calling, you know, mostly rushing four guys. Maybe you occasionally try and, you know, play a little risky or a little too conservative, which is risky in a sense and only send three. But don't be sending more than five and don't even send five often because Mozzie Smith and that Michigan D line, they'll shut down the TCU's run game or limit it with just four, maybe five guys there. And you really just want to watch out for TCU's big plays. You just have to. They are top five in the nation. Listen to this. They're top five in the nation in 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, and 70-yard plays. Top five. However, they're number 52 in the country on third down and number 80 in red zone scoring. So if you force TCU to go on methodical drives and you don't let them get a big play, they will struggle. They will be frustrated. And then what Michigan will be able to do is Michigan's offense is is more consistent than TCU in the red zone. They're more consistent on third down. And they themselves, as shown in the Ohio State game, as shown in the Penn State game on the ground, they themselves have explosive capability. And they will... Michigan can go on methodical drives, and they can go on one, two, three play drives that involve deep passes or long runs. Michigan can do it all on offense and defense. TCU has not... They can't do it all on defense, and they they even can't do it all on offense. What TCU is, is they're a scrappy team that finds ways to win, and they're well-coached. But at the end of the day, if both of these teams play their A game, and this will show, I think, in Michigan's defense matching up with TCU's offense especially, what will happen is the rubber will meet the road. That's what will happen. What is viewed as an unstoppable force in TCU's explosive pass game will mean an immovable object, and that will create an explosion, an explosion where the perceived unstoppable force could very well be fractured, just shown by the fact that TCU struggles with methodical drives. And Michigan is known for chewing clock. They're known for being very good at playing a bend but don't break defense. In fact, aspects of this Michigan defense remind me of last year's Michigan State team. If last year's Michigan State defense had a great to elite secondary, that's exactly what this Michigan defense would be. Bend but don't break, but they have all the personnel to do it right. And just look at the Big Ten championship game, where Michigan scored six touchdowns, They allowed Purdue to outgain them in total yards, but Purdue only had one touchdown and five field goals. And finally, Donovan Edwards, C.J. Stokes, and Kalel Mullings should lead Michigan's offense to chewing clock and scoring. Whether it's touchdowns, whether it's field goals, more likely than not just by the fact that TCU, 
their defense, their weakness is stopping the run, I do think that Michigan will have success in the red zone. They will score touchdowns, and they will score touchdowns often, in my opinion. With Donovan Edwards, who has 872 rushing yards, seven rushing touchdowns, and averages 7.5 yards per carry, averaged nearly 10 yards per carry against Ohio State, 7.4 against Purdue, and 10.8 against Penn State. Penn State has a top five defense in efficiency, and they have one of the better defenses in the country. Ohio State has one of the best defenses in the country, statistically. Michigan's running backs and offensive line, an O-line that's won the Joe Moore Award for the second year in a row, the first back-to-back winner of the award. This offense is proven. They're battle-tested. They they will move you at the line of scrimmage. And these are Michigan's path. These are Michigan's paths to victory. These are the different keys that Michigan has to jumpstart the semi-truck that is their team and run it into TCU. And we'll see what TCU has to throw at Michigan. And that's, you know, no pun in, no pun intended to a certain degree because listen, TCU's going to take any opportunity they have to have Quentin Johnson or Tay Barber one-on-one and to you know, try to exploit those matchups. Max Duggan is an arm. Max Duggan is the best. Max Duggan, from a quarterback standpoint, will, is the quarterback that all season long will cause Michigan the most problems. He's not the best quarterback. I think C.J. Stroud is a better quarterback. But Duggan's gutsier than Stroud, and unlike Stroud, he's willing to use his legs, which creates more problems for Michigan's defense, more plays to worry about than you have with, let's say, C.J. Stroud. And that's all I'm going to say for this video. If you liked it, make sure to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, click the notification bell, and comment your thoughts on this video down below. Comment your score prediction for this game down below, and do you think that either of these two teams have a chance to win the national title? Georgia-Ohio State is viewed as the more exciting matchup, and I completely agree with that. It's also the matchup between the two teams that have the most star power, and Georgia is viewed by many as the team who's going to win it all. So does Michigan or TCU, depending on who wins, have a chance to beat the winner of Georgia and Ohio State? Let me know down below, and if you're listening via Spotify, make sure to follow the channel. Bye-bye.